Welcome to All About Teens. I'm Rhonda Bernard. And I'm Tony McClintock. We are Americans living in Paris and working with people from all over the world. We love sharing experiences about how working on a team in diverse and multicultural environments can be challenging, as well as pretty exciting. We talk about subjects related to teams and community that we care about and we want to share with you, along with some personal, often funny, and sometimes heart-wrenching stories. Our podcast is all about teams and all about how community makes the team feel like they belong. Today, we have a guest, Jim Osgood, who is board chair for 1% for the Planet and CEO of Turtle Fur, which, if you don't know, is an outdoor sports headwear and accessories brand. We're going to talk with Jim today about how it is really possible to have a value-oriented career. Hi, Jim. Welcome. Hi, Rhonda and Tony. So, Jim, tell us about your career journey and how values shaped this career trajectory. Was it intentional or did you just wake up one day and say, I just can't do this anymore? Well, Ron, it was a little bit of both for me, honestly. <clears throat> the first 20 years or so of my career, I uh, worked for private and public companies and uh, ascended the ranks to executive leadership. And I noticed at pretty much every company, regardless of sector, that there were value statements on the wall, mission statements that seemed to be more about aspirational aspects of the business, that when it really came down to making decisions, it really was about quarterly earnings or bottom line profitability of the company. And I always felt like there should be more to business than just making money, that there was an opportunity to use business as a force for positive change and, and good for all, both internally with our employees, externally with our customers, and uh, just in general, the people we do business with. I was just going to say, I'm just, it resonates so much with, you know, kind of that feeling in the pit of your stomach going, what I'm seeing is not what I'm feeling, you know? Yeah, Exactly. And it, it was part of my motivation to be part of something bigger than just me. And I always had that inkling inside of me, but it never really revealed itself in what I would call traditional corporate business. And I've known Tony for a couple of decades now, and uh, about 20, 25 years ago, she actually made an introduction that was a huge inflection in my professional career. She introduced me to a friend of hers that was at Patagonia in Ventura, California. And I think most of your listeners probably know Patagonia as being a very responsible outdoor brand company around for, gosh, 40, 50 years, founded by Yvonne Chouinard, who has really been a pillar in leadership of responsible business practice. But that conversation introduced me to another gentleman who was in charge of their product that I ended up spending a couple of hours one afternoon in Ventura, and I saw firsthand how those aspirational aspects can show up in a real business today. And it was in that moment that I knew it wasn't just an idea or a thought, but it, it was an actual practice. It was possible in today's business. And so that opened some doors for me to think differently about business. And in fact, knowing that brands and companies were in fact living their values, following their mission, being purposeful and using their business for positive change galvanized my commitment to doing the same in my career. And then from there, I ended up becoming CEO of a wonderful company that uh, practiced those same values and set me on a path of responsible business leadership ever since. So I have Tony to thank for that. Aww. Aww. That is a great that makes story. Me, yeah, that makes me so happy that I had a part in it. <laughs> it. And it really gives a lot of hope also, I think, to a lot of us and hopefully to our listeners as well, too, that you can have both, you know. 
But I, I, I love that it really was having someone share their story with you and show you how it's done. That kind of woke you up saying, I can do this, but I've got to be intentional about it. Yeah. So tell us yeah. a little bit like how that happened. Well, it was really showing how values show up in decision making and how that defines a company culture and why that's important, not just to making decisions, but to the people involved in creating the products and building the brand. All the people of Patagonia, in my example, live those values every day and were inspired by those values. And that's why they chose to be there as opposed to anywhere else. And it really helped elevate my sort of leadership philosophy and practice and style to abandon an operational or transactional leadership mindset that's so typical in, I'll say, traditional or historical businesses and become more of a transformational leader, meaning being really anchored in values to inform decisions, being anchored in not just what we do, but how and why that matters every day to the business and how that shows up every day in our company culture as well. It's really interesting, especially when you keep making this um, distinction between traditional business and, you know, like a different kind of business mindset or a different kind of way of doing businesses, because I would almost like startups and stuff like that, uh, tech, they have this veneer of being purpose-driven companies. But mm -hmm. they're pretty trans. A lot of them are pretty transactional. So, you know, it's it's not that easy, is it, to deliberately every day make that decision? Like this is what I stand for. It actually is quite easy because it's it's a unifying element of the culture that it becomes a magnet for retaining the employees that get it and want it, as well as attracting new employees over time. That it's it's in some ways kind of self-selecting your employees that want to be a part of that sense of purpose, want to be a part of that company and that company culture. Um, it's not to say also that you just throw away profits in order to have environmental and social impact. It's actually about the balance and optimizing all three of economic impact or quarterly earnings because for-profit businesses need to be in business for the long haul so that they can actually have the positive impact on employees and social impact, as well as, you know, the stewardship of resources and the environment and the impact they have in operating their business. So it's referred to as a triple bottom line, people, planet, profit. It is also sort of the three pillars of, of responsible business. Uh, there's organizations like B Lab that actually have a certification process called Certified B Corps or Benefit Corporations that's steep in this notion of a triple bottom line. So it's not to abandon profitability or economic impact. It's about leveraging uh, all three to optimize them for positive impact and positive influence and positive good. So let's bring this back to Gen Z, our newest and biggest age group to enter the workforce. We talked in a prior podcast, Ron and I, about how this young generation, Gen Z, and also the young millennials are really focused on having meaning in their careers and how important their values are in their decisions. So Jim, as a Gen X and a leader in the current world, how do you think that managers and leaders can succeed with this dream of the Gen Zers to change the old-fashioned ways and have values play such a strong role? Well, it really is the cornerstone we've been talking about, that managers have to really believe and be committed to those values. They have to be authentic to those values. Uh, Gen Zers are too savvy to 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 see the veneer and to uh, kind of call it out as something that's not 
genuine and authentic. So for it to be long lasting, to be it, for it to be truly productive, it has to be authentic and real. And then, so it starts with the managers to be clear and true to those values. And then that then shows up in appealing to Gen Zers in the interview process. Say they're considering joining a company and it is such an important influencing criteria for Gen Zers to join a company. They want to be a part of something that's purposeful um, and it's a key driver in their selection process. So if, if companies want to appeal to that uh, very bright, capable, largest workforce in Gen Z, they really have to understand how they connect authentically to Gen Zers. And that really shows up in their vision and mission and values and to authentically practice that and to uh, be able to share that in a meaningful way with prospective employees and Gen Zers. And it's not just attracting Gen Zers, it's also retaining them. So once you appeal to the Gen Z population, for them to stay with you and to invest in their growth and development, turnover is very expensive. And so it's not just recruiting them in, but it's retaining that very important workforce and that very talented workforce. So one thing that really stands out for me, and, and I really admire you for that, is, you know, you talk about authenticity, talk about vision, you talk about mission, you talk about values, and clearly you believe in it 100%. You're breathing it. You you, you breathe authenticity. How do you do it? Because I fight every day to keep my cynicism at bay. And I'm, Tony knows this, my number one uh, strength is positivity. And yet I can sometimes fall prey to just to just all of the constant um, ills and all the, you know, everything like, uh, like the companies that make really bad decisions because they want to make a profit or people who say one thing and do another. And, you, you know, like we all know that it's it's just a constant marriage. How mm. do you manage to keep your authenticity and to keep cynicism at bay? Because I, I do agree with you, not just Gen Zers, everybody can suss that out. And, and I'm here to say I admire you, but how do you do it? Tell us, how do you do it? Well, um, I, we said earlier that it actually is not that hard. Um, I actually find that being true to yourself is easy. It's when you are trying to be something you're not, that takes a lot of extra energy. Well said. <laughs> so part of it is just a, being committed to showing up authentically as yourself. And if it, if it isn't aligned to a company, then that will inform your decisions whether to stay or not. And I've actually experienced that in my own career, that I've chosen to leave really great positions because they weren't aligned to my professional and personal values. And so it became much more of a, a job. Now, I have the privilege of saying it was a job because it was, for me, my work is more than a paycheck. But for it to be a sustained uh, relationship between me and my company or an employee in a company, there needs to be that commitment and that understanding. I would say that we're all perfectly imperfect too. We all are kind of a continuous work in process. And I've uh, made mistakes. And um, if I could rewind history, there's things that I probably would do differently. Um, but part of that is celebrating that learning and sharing that it's a uh, you meet people where they're at and uh, companies where they're at. And as long as there are commitment to get to a better place, even even companies that are not yet certified B Corp, for example, or members of one percent for the planet, 
but but show an interest, there's opportunities for them to get better and better and better. And as a result, transition into more of a contemporary business model that celebrates the triple bottom line. There, there's no, it, it's not an exclusive club. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's it's an inclusive club of how can we learn from each other? And so think about it like open source coding between companies, best practice. You know, how does one company succeed like a Patagonia? Well, they're very open and transparent with what they've done and why that's important and how it worked. And they'll share that learning with other companies, even competitors, because the more the, the broader we build this business community of responsible business leadership and practitioners, the better we can we can grow and, and uh, the more positive influence we can have together. Um, but quite simply, it's 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 easy when you're true to yourself. It's difficult when you're trying to be something that you're not. And uh, the challenge is, is that values are easy in times of prosperity when times are good. They really show up in times of, of despair or when they're challenged. And that's when they're needed most. When you're making a really tough decision as a company, uh, by leaning on your values to inform and guide that decision, that's probably the most powerful experience I've had in business is that employee loyalty and commitment were galvanized as a result of how we handled adversity internally and externally and how we practiced our values to guide decision-making that ended up revealing the how important in the sense of purpose it was and how reassuring that was to employees that we practice those values, especially in times of adversity. Okay, so Jim, how do you feel about the idea of the gig economy then? Or um, how has that created some impact or challenges for you in like retention and development and motivation. And for those of you out there who haven't heard the term, the gig economy is the la- is a labor market characterized by the flexible temporary or freelance jobs as opposed to permanent full-time work. And we're seeing that a lot of Gen Zers seem to prefer this because of the flexibility it gives them. Right. But that with that, it comes no loyalty, no stability. Well, I think that the gig economy and the the attitudes that you describe around that, um, if if there's a strong alignment with with the the culture of the organization and the needs of the organization, as long term or as temporary, that can be a powerful experience for the Gen Z gig worker um, as well as the company. Um, you know, loyal loyalty uh, has really evolved over generations. There was a time where a person would work for the same company most of their life, maybe switch companies once, maybe twice. And now it's pretty common to to switch. And now the gig economy has made that even more rapid. But the values alignment being aligned to sense of purpose um, is important, whether you're with a company for six months or six years, because you're you're still part of contributing to the prosperity of the company. And hopefully that gig economy, that remote worker um, sees that and values that and and in fact that might be a way for them to evolve into a much longer term relationship with that company you know in some ways it could be sort of a try before you buy that i think part of the how how transitory some of the gig workers are is because they haven't quite found their tribe they haven't found their the right fit and this is a way for them to find their family their find their find their tribe and find that greater sense of purpose where they might very well want to be for there for six months or excuse me, for six years instead of six months. Yeah, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I also believe that the gig economy has also been 
imposed on this generation as much as they have chosen this as well too, you know? I mean, I know that most companies now, first of all, um, not offering like full-time contracts, they're doing temp to hire or they're giving like their projects or independence, independent contractors, all of that sort of thing. And then we have all of these sharing economy companies that have cropped up and, you know, that they, that's all that they can get. And, and, and so, you, you know, like you're, what you're saying is true. Like if they can understand that you are living your values, you're selling your values, I, I they're going to want to work because I know a lot of them want stability. And mm-hmm. again, I think it's beautiful what you've said. I really do. Um, but not everybody has that privilege, right? Of saying, I can keep waiting until I find that company that aligns with my values or, you know, my job is more than just a paycheck for me. How do you, you know, there's not enough of you around actually. So <laughs> I, I mean, it's true, you know, like a lot of people have to do stuff that they really don't like that doesn't match their values or, you know, yeah. they know that they're um, disposable, but they get, they got to pay the rents or, you know, feed the baby or whatever. So, you know, what do you right. say to those people? Well, uh, the reason that it's so powerful to me now is that I've lived through exactly what you just said. I had a lot of positions with what I thought were great companies. In fact, they were great companies, but they fell short of having that that higher level of fulfillment. They were jobs that were I was accumulating great experience. It's sort of you can't have the light without the dark. So it was sort of it allowed me to really appreciate the opportunity I have, especially in a position of influence being CEOs of companies. I actually can can create that culture and, and ensure that that culture is properly steward. Um, the other good news is that there's more and more and more companies becoming responsible companies. So by virtue of the community of businesses growing, there's more opportunities to be a part of those like-minded companies. And it's not a secret. There are um, ways in which you can identify those companies. So if you would like to, whether you're a, a gig worker or otherwise, Seek out certified B Corps companies uh, because you know, by virtue of being certified B Corps, they have, through objective best practice measures, demonstrated their commitment to the very things we're talking about. So that can um, allow a, 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 uh, a person to determine, yeah, that's a great fit for me as, as a first step in vetting companies they might want to work for. Just to, in summary, what I'm understanding from you is like you first have to acquire the skills so that you can kind of choose where you want to go, right? Like you put in the work, it sounds like. Yeah. You didn't just show up and go, here's my values. You got to, you know, and if you're you're not willing to. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then secondly, then be true to yourself. I heard that several times. And when you're true to yourself, it's easy. And what I also liked is when you do get in that position, Make it happen for other people. That's what I'm understanding what, what you That's did. That's a really great summary. And I would say that that you can accumulate skills and knowledge and put tools in your toolbox, but attitude is really difficult um, to coach and develop. Uh, how you show up really matters. And so if you show up as your authentic self and are true to you, what you stand for and what you want to be a part of, then that just ensures that both the employee and the employer get what they're both after and you create this really wonderful, productive, prosperous, sustainable relationship. 
it, it's a two-way street. It's not just what companies do for employees, but it's also what employees do for companies in terms of being true to themselves. Now, it's mm-hmm. it sounds a little altruistic to say, yeah, I'm I'm here are my values and I want a job. Um, you have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to 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 grow and contribute and adapt as well. But the bottom line is, is that you can uh, find the place that you feel like this, this, I found my family, I found the company that I can thrive in, I can be at my very best, because I'm asked to be at my very best. And that's, that comes as a result of the company culture, um, the opportunities to contribute, to uh, be able to speak your mind. And, and these are all sort of values and virtues of a company that allow people to be at their best, as opposed to operating in that fight or flight mode. And so if, if we're able to allow people to 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 be confident and comfortable in their best self, then they're able to, to perform at their best. So it's great for the company and it's very prosperous for the individual employee. So do you think it's possible for these multi-generational teams to be successful with this kind of value-driven mentality? Uh, we have that question. now, multi-generational teams. Yeah, multi-generational teams. I mean, I, I can appreciate um, the the potential gap between you know gen x's and gen z's um and millennials um but we all have to show up for a, a purpose that's bigger than any one of us and so that's sort of my cultural mandate is that we're here in service to our company our brand and our and our customers and that we're not here just for ourselves individually um and so uh change and Learning and growing applies to those who've been in industry for 20, 30 years as well, such as myself. I actually think that it builds strength that you have multi-generational points of view actually create different perspectives. And the more perspectives you have ensures a better outcome because you're not looking at it through a single shared lens. You're looking at problem statements or projects or opportunities with more of a 360 degree view. And you have fresh, new, different point of view, coupled with the maybe the 20 or 30 year experience view. And so long as you lean in to embracing points of view um, from each of those generations and cross-functionally, you'll have a more powerful outcome as a result of leaning on, leaning in and leaning on each other to, to solve problems, to make decisions, to drive innovation, et cetera. So, you know, again, Jim, thank you so much for painting this like canvas of possibility and but not just possibility you actually know that it exists because you've made it you know you've you've been a part of it and you continue to make sure that it it's instilled in where you are now i don't want to bring in the but you know how do you accept really creating a space where everyone can be their authentic self because you know, some people it's easier than others to be accepted as their authentic selves. Um, you, you know, I'm, you know, I'm half Korean, you know, I'm a woman and I don't want to say, but it's not always been easy to show mm. up and say, this is who I am. I hope, you, you know, um, working in France, I can tell you sometimes I've been, I've had to tell people, you have to stop telling me that my opinion is wrong <laughs> because it's just my opinion. <laughs> you know, you don't get to do that. So, yeah. you know, it's not very inclusive, right? It doesn't make you feel like you belong. It doesn't make like, and, and so, and I don't mean to, yeah, I guess I do mean to say it's easier for others to show up as their authentic selves for, 
and how do you make sure that you are making creating that space then the um that's a that's a rich and deep topic Rhonda. Uh, i would say that i it, it's a mindfulness and an intention so i'm an older male caucasian and so um i the words that are, i'm sharing today um um come come from a place of mindfulness that it's been a learning journey for me about inclusion and sensitivity and uh, learning constantly learning um I really think that being values-based in business today set, sets at least the stage for building trust and rapport. And that trust and rapport, I think, creates a, a, um, a dialogue with everybody, uh, regardless of gender, origin, even experience, uh, age. Um, and so um, that's why I think values-based organizations are going, to, are going to prosper and continue to thrive because it it's steeped in what's I think most important, and so you can solve pretty much any problem when you when you have a shared purpose and you have aligned values and a commitment to lean on each other to get get to the other side of wherever that issue is or whatever that opportunity is. All right, Jim, you've convinced me. I'm I'm gonna come work for you. How about you, Tony? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am definitely convinced that this is great. Um, so thank you so much, Jim, for spending the time with us. We've really, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, it's been my pleasure. And I appreciate the conversation and the opportunities that your listeners have to hopefully be inspired and stimulated by the things we talked about. And we just scratched the surface. There's the, each one of these topics is a very, you know, deep opportunity of better learning, better understanding. So thanks for the work that you all are doing to advance that knowledge and learning and understanding as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of your, you know, your unbridled optimism and mindfulness. Um, it really does make me feel like the world can be a better place. And it gives me so much hope. Um, I hope it gave all of our listeners the, the spark of hope to keep going as well, too. That's it for this episode. Please find this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please follow or subscribe and tell your friends. Please send us your stories about teams, funny, sad, inspiring, to info at thebeaconoflight.com. We would love to hear them and we'd love to hear from you. Also, please check out the show notes for each episode where you will find links to our sources and other information. Bye. Bye.